Okay, if anybody has questions, please feel free to shout them out. Um, I hope I can get through everything today. There's a lot of stuff that we that I'd like to cover. This is a pretty hot topic right now, so um, please, again, feel free to shout them out. And if you can't hear me, just oh, I'm going to turn the microphone here. There. So if you can't hear me, just let me know. Um, today we're going to talk about senior financial scams, how to protect your family and friends. Um, financial exploitation is a serious problem uh, when it comes to seniors. It's, it's not just seniors, it's, it's everybody really, but today we're going to focus on seniors. Um, especially as their net worth goes up, it makes them more vulnerable to scams and fraud. So there are several types of, of exploitation. There are several types of exploitation when it comes to seniors. There's psychological, physical, and of course financial, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, it's commonly called elder financial abuse. Um, the objectives today are intended to pretty much raise awareness. Um, you, I think you're going to be shocked at the number of victims that there are every year, so um, pretty much to raise awareness and really help you figure out where to go for help and how to prevent it. So. Um, more specifically, our objectives are to understand the scope of the problem, identify typical perpetrators, uh, be aware of common scams and exploitation, recognize the signs, understand the long-term effects, know how to prevent it and where to go for help. What is elder financial abuse? This is just the definition uh, from the National Center on Elder Abuse. It's basically the illegal taking, misuse, or concealment of funds, property, or assets of vulnerable elder um, that are at risk for harm by another due to changes in physical function, functioning, mental functioning, or both. So that's just the definition. The scope of the problem, it's really been called the crime of the 21st century. Um, up to one million older Americans are targeted every year. Now. It's really hard to, that could just be the tip of the iceberg. It's hard to really determine the number because for every case that's reported, it's, they say there are four that go unreported. That's a staggering number if you think about the impact on the victims, if you think about what you're really getting yourself into. Um, so. A quick question, who do you report? Who are they reported to? Um, Is that the police or? I would say the police, yes. So we'll talk about who get, there's, there's a whole national center for elder abuse. I'm guessing that's where it gets reported to as well. So, what's the cost? Again, it's hard to determine the cost because so many cases go unreported, but according to MetLife and Sure Market Institute, they say $2.6 billion a year are lost by our elders annually. Um, for every dollar lost to theft or abuse, there are other costs related to stress, um, health care costs because of stress, um, social service intervention, that's, you know, that could be tax dollars that are being spent, that could be money out of pocket, and investigative and legal costs too. So if you have, if your mother or grandmother or it's you that are being targeted, if you need to hire a lawyer, that's money that you have to pay for. So, and that's not cheap. Typical victims, this is just the trend that they've seen. Ages 70 to 89, white females, uh, frail, cognitively impaired, people that are more trusting of others, um, people that are lonely or isolated. Um, we'll talk about all these why in a bit. Um, women, they say it's women just because they, they live longer than men, statistically. Um, and those who aren't in charge of their own financial well-being or they don't, aren't in charge of their own finances are more susceptible because they're putting their trust in other people um, and what happens is they end up trusting no one if they become a victim. So if, you, if they become a victim they end up trusting no one, they end up stashing cash in their mattresses or cash in, in their homes and that can really put them at more risk. So, and they end up not using direct deposit, not using, you know, trusted services. So it's really all walks of life. Anybody can become a victim. Who commits the crime? Unfortunately, half of the people that commit these crimes, half of the con artists, which is what I, we call them because that's really what it is. They're families, family members, friends, caregivers, neighbors, 
people that they already know and trust. So, of course, the other half would be strangers, such as someone over the phone or somebody who emails. And we'll talk about details on, on these in a bit. Uh, but most perpetrators aren't strangers. They're victims that already, they're people that already have the victim's trust. So, um, and unfortunately what happens is one time, the first time you become a victim by a stranger, you end up on a sucker list. And that sucker list is sold to other con artists and then you just end up being hit over and over again. So, how is it carried out? People will prey on your vulnerabilities. People will create dependencies, so make you feel like you need them. Um, they'll create a lack of faith in your own abilities and do shame and secrecy, and that's why most cases go unreported. Uh, because of embarrassment, shame, secrecy, people are embarrassed that they let it, they let it happen even though they didn't really let it happen. Um, they're gonna perform intermittent acts of kindness to gain your trust. Um, Keep you unaware. You may not even know that you're being exploited. Um, they're going to isolate others and information, again, so to keep family members unaware, to keep you unaware that it's happening, and create fear. So the fear factor comes into play here a lot when it comes to financial exploitation. Saying, I'll put you in a home if you don't give me your social security checks, or if you don't sign the house over to me, or if you don't put me in the will. Um, examples. We're going to talk about a lot here, so if you have questions or if I'm going too fast, please stop me. Stealing or money or possessions, of course. This is the physical, where you see cash lying around. Oh, they're not even going to know that's missing. Forging signatures on pension checks, social security checks, um, legal documents. Misusing credit cards and joint accounts. What happens is a lot of... Um, our elders will put us on their accounts just so it's easier, which it can be easier. I work at a credit union. It does make it so much easier if, if you can't get to the credit union, if, if, you, if it's just not feasible to get to the credit union once a week. It's easier to have somebody on that account with you because they have full rights to everything in that account. So um, credit cards are the same way. Just makes it easier to have another person on that account but it can really get you into trouble. Um, misusing power of attorney. Unfortunately, this happens a lot. Um, changing a senior's will, trust, or inheritance. Um, that's another example. Selling or transferring property against the senior's wishes or best interests. That does happen a lot as well. So you think, well, if I tell her that, if I tell them that it's in the best interest for me to get the house, Maybe I'll get the house. Failing to provide agreed upon services. So this would be, like if you have direct deposit set up to pay for lawn services and they're not being done. Um, that could be, which that's everybody, not just seniors. That could be an example of that. Financial management could be another example of that. Um, there are many faces to this crime. Uh, unfortunately, what happens is more than one or one is going on at the same time. So forging signature, someone could be forging your signature for credit card accounts or joint accounts. So these are things you wanna look, look for. Like I said, the fear factor comes into play a lot where it's, if you don't do as I say, I'm gonna put you in a home or, you know. And an, another thing that's unfortunate is sometimes this is the norm. So if you see that your mother has done that to your grandmother, and then you, in turn, do it to your mother, that's just the family norm, you know, to take the pension, to take the social security checks, so, which makes victims not ever want to report it. Okay, these are some common scams. I think you all should have a handout that says common examples of scams and solutions. We don't have time to go over all of them, but these are the big ones. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of these, show you a sh very short video. If you have questions, please let me know. The sweetheart scam. This is probably the most common. This is when the con artist targets a widow or widow, widows and widowers, becomes their companion. Uh, 
you might think that Anna Nicole Smith <laughs> did this kind of scam just to put a face to the crime. Um, it really, when you really befriend or become a companion of the victim and then get signed, get your name on the will, take their money, um, that's the sweet, sweetheart scam. The pigeon drop, I'm going to show you a quick video on this. This one's a little more detailed, but it's very common. Good evening, everyone. A cruel scam robbing elderly people of the cash they need tonight has come to your neighborhood. KBC 9's Martin Augustine spoke with family of a victim. He joins us live. Martin? Laura, it's called a pigeon drop scam, and recently two female con artists have been finding victims throughout Johnson County, usually targeting women in their 70s or 80s. A week ago Tuesday, they hit up an 80-year-old woman here in this parking lot of a Roland Park grocery store. Take a good look at this security video. The woman on the left wearing the white coat may have something to do... I'm angry. ...with conning this woman's 80-year-old mother. We're concealing her identity at her mother's request. I think it's terrible that they're preying on people who have worked their whole lives. Two con artists somehow in this parking lot tagged the elderly woman as their victim and set her up. The victim was walking back to her car and she would not have noticed that envelope there by her feet. That's when a woman picked up the envelope and approached the victim and asked her if she'd drop this. She also opened up the envelope and showed the victim what looked like a lot of money inside. The victim said it wasn't hers, but that's about the time a second woman showed up who said she'd overheard the conversation and that she worked in a law office. And if the victim was willing to put some good faith money up front, she could go to her boss and work out a deal so that all three women could split all the money. The daughter says her mother bought the story and went to her bank. Did she actually get money withdrawn? Yes. How much? $6,000. $6,000. Nearly every dime she had to her name. Fortunately, her mother had a change of heart and went home. Had she come back to the parking lot and given her cash to the women, she'd have lost it all. So, if this woman in the video had something to do with nearly fleecing the 80-year-old, her daughter has a message. Uh, get a life. Find your, you know, find a way to make an honest living after you've done your jail time. Here's a description of the two con artists in this case, a white woman and a black woman, both 48 to 50 years old, both about 5'7", and both well-dressed. And two days after the incident here last week, Lenexa police report that two women matching those descriptions pulled the same scam to a woman there in Lenexa, getting away with $8,000. That woman was 73 years old. Reporting live in Roland Park, Martin. All right, so if you go to YouTube or Google and type in Pigeon Drop, you're going to get thousands of hits on this scam. Um, it seems to, it seems, for somebody that's pretty savvy about identity theft and um, up to date on these scams, it kind of seems ridiculous, but this is a very common scam where it's like, we'll split the money, just give me a little bit out of your checking account, you know. Um, like I said, there are so many YouTube videos on this, and it happens all over the place. It happens here in State College. So, lottery scams and sweepstakes. This is another big one. Um, this would be, an example of this would be, I would get an email that says, congratulations, you just won the Canadian lottery. Or I would get a check in the mail for $5,000 that says, congratulations, this is the first part of your winnings. Just simply send us wire us $100 for shipping, taxes, um, transfers, whatever, and we'll send you the rest of your money. What happens is I would get a money order or wire $100 from my account to an account, a foreign account in another country, and the check that I deposited would bounce. Now I would deposit that check. Hopefully the financial institution would have put a hold on that, but if they don't, um, that money would, you know, the check would bounce and then they have your $100. And unfortunately, if it's not in our jurisdiction, there's nothing we can do about it. This happens all the time and it's not just for seniors. Um, the email scam is the most, is, I remember when, when email first became so popular, my dad got this email that's, it was so, Heart, it tugged at your heartstrings, and it was about a little girl who had, was dying of cancer, and she just needed money to help for treatments. 
Um, and unfortunately, what happened is you would click on a link within the email, give your credit card information, which would either be sold or charge, your credit card information would be sold or charges would be put on your credit card. And it's a scam, it's all a scam. Just remember, if, you, if you're new to email or if you have family members, elders that are new to email, please warn them of these scams because they can be really endearing and they can be really, they can really reel you in. So I would say this is the easiest one for people to get hit with. But it's also not email, it's also actual letters. Oh, absolutely. Where the seniors have to sign yep. and they do puzzles and they yep. do all that sort of thing as well. Exactly, exactly. The checks that come in the mail, that's a, a couple girls that work at the credit union got checks for $3,000, at least $3,000, saying they won the Canadian lottery. If you didn't enter to play a lottery, you didn't win a lottery. So just remember that. Repair contracting scams. This would be if somebody, let's say there was, somebody knocked on your door and said there's been a reported power outage or something's wrong with the lines in your area. Can we check out your, your breaker box or can we check out your pipes or something? They would come into your home, scope out for different items to steal or actually steal them. Um, also, you could do like contracting scams like you pay for a contractor to come in and put a new roof on. They take your money and they split. That happens a lot. I mean, that's something you, you really need to check credentials. So, identity theft. We could talk all day about identity theft. Identity theft is higher now than it's been in 10 years with the economy, the tanking economy. Um, and unfortunately, identity theft of our elders is right at the top of the list. Another thing, not related to this topic. Identity theft of children is up too. So we highly recommend you check credit reports for yourself, for your parents, and for your children, and grandparents, whoever, whomever. Um, identity, identity theft is when someone steals your name, social security, number, social security number, or other identifying information to establish accounts in your name. So it can happen to anybody. Be careful when shopping online. Be careful when using public computers. So if you live in an assisted living center and there's a public computer library, be very, or computer lab, be very careful when you're accessing your online accounts. You don't know what's been installed on those computers. Same with library. Like I said, we could talk all day about this, so, um, but I won't. And forged deeds is another common example of financial scams or house stealing. So, questions? Anybody? Comments? S stories? Okay. Exploitation by family members or persons of authority. Um, remember that it's still a crime even if it's family. A lot of victims don't realize that, the, that it's theft that it's really a crime because it's family, well, they say, well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it if they didn't need it. Well, it won't ever stop unless it's reported. Um, exam these examples show how family members will exploit their elders. Stealing money or cash, equivalent assets. Borrowing money without intent to pay, to repay. That's theft. Cashing or keeping a victim's pension, social security, or other income checks. <clears throat> using the victim's ATM, debit, or credit card. These are all theft. Unfortunately, it's not theft if you're on the account, so this is another reason why you want to be really careful about who you have on your accounts or whose accounts you're on, um, and transferring title of retail property. These are just some examples of how family members can exploit. These are some behavioral signs you want to watch for, um, behavioral signs of exploitation. There's a change in routine. If suddenly the brunch with the girls, you know, the girlfriends becomes the brunch with the girlfriends and a trip to the bank. Ask why, just ask questions, be sensitive about it, but just sort of probe. Um, if they suddenly have a new best friend, some random person, some random stranger, somebody that's much younger, somebody that's not their typical friend, that might be a red flag. 
missing belongings or property. If your mother wears pearls on every Tuesday and suddenly she stops, ask her where her pearls are. You know, maybe somebody stole them. And if she doesn't know and says, oh, I must have lost them, maybe that's another thing you want to look for. Yeah. Isolation from family, friends, from community. If they stop the church groups, if they stop bingo, if they stop doing things that they usually do in the community, that could be a red flag. If they suddenly become very submissive or fearful or paranoid, that could be a sign, a behavioral sign. Um, if there are signs of intimidation, that goes along with it. Um, if they become very withdrawn, if they have a disheveled appearance, that could be a red flag. So it's really important that we stay engaged with our family members. I always say family members. It could be you know, just a neighbor that we trust or that we that we love. But if you know, if if your neighbor who you've always had coffee with on the weekends, if they stop coming outside or if you know they stop talking to you, that could be a red flag. Just find out what's going on. These are some financial signs of exploitation. If suddenly they, their lifestyle becomes inconsistent with their income, if suddenly they can't afford the groceries or they can't afford the, you know, the, the clothes that they buy or the good shoes that they wear, or if they can't go get their hair, hair and nails done anymore, that could be a red flag. Significant changes in spending patterns. So if you see that they suddenly stop spending a lot of money or start spending a lot of money, this could be a red flag. They could be spending for someone else or they could not be spending because they can't afford it anymore. If they, speak, if they start showing anxiety about personal finances that they've never had before, that could be a red flag. Um, lack of knowledge about their financial status, that's something that, that could be a red flag, but if they don't know what's going on, that should be a red flag for being proactive against these exploitations or these scams. They start missing point appointments or stop paying bills on time. Um, if there are abrupt changes to will or power of attorney, that's a giant red flag. Unfortunately, you may not know, but if you notice it, um, unusual transfer of assets to others, especially random people, especially people that shouldn't be getting paid a lot of money or that shouldn't be receiving giant checks. You start, start to notice the cable shut off. The water gets shut off. The electricity gets shut off. The paper stops coming. Stuff like that. Suspicious signatures on checks or other documents. You want to really be aware. Know, know, their, know what their signature looks like, really. Um, and unfortunately, if you're not on someone's account, bank account with them, there's not a lot you can do. But we're supposed to, the credit union and banks are supposed to be checking signatures. So you might want to just Put a bug in the bank's ear that says, hey, you might want to be checking signatures. There might be something strange going on here. Um, why victims don't report crimes? It can be really sensitive. Um, first of all, they don't want the government to interfere in their personal lives. That's a legitimate reason. You know, They just don't want the hassle. They don't want to be embarrassed. It's already embarrassing that they feel they're responsible for it, so they're not even going to bother with it. Um, they don't even realize they're being financially abused. They may not know that someone's stealing their money. If they don't normally check their bank statements, they may not know. If they don't usually look at their credit card statements, or if they don't check their credit report annually, they may not know. Um, if they fear they'll be placed in a nursing home. If they don't think anyone will really help them, they don't know that there's help out there, which there is, even in, I know, I don't know about other counties, but I know in State College, I know the Patton Township Police have a whole fraud department. So they have a whole identity theft department. Um, some people think identity theft isn't that serious of a crime, but they have people just for that. And I know our local police departments here are very good, very good about working with you. So um, if they worry that the perpetrator might harm them more, that's another legitimate concern. You know, it's just like they say about, you know, women that continually be, they're abused and they're afraid that by stopping it they're just going to be abused more. Well, it could be the same situation. 
they think the resolution will come too late anyways. Well, there's nothing else that they can do. Um, if they believe, believe they'll lose even more money by pursuing it, which may be the case. You know, the money for a lawyer might outweigh the cost of even pursuing it. Long-term effects of financial exploitation, loss of savings. People work very hard for their money. We know today, with the stock market the way it is, with the job market the way it is, we're all lucky that we have jobs. Um, some people work their entire lives for a savings, for, to build up their savings account. Well, a definite long-term effect would be loss of that savings. Some people work so hard so that they can put their children and their grandchildren through college. You know, they want, you know, they want to really do good for their family, do well for their family. Well, think about having all that money stolen, all that hard-earned money. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Credit problems, that's another long-term effect. Who knows when you're gonna to need to get a credit card? Or who knows when, you know, you may need to co-sign on a loan for your grandson for a new car. If you have, if someone's stealing your identity and you don't know, that's gonna be a problem in the future. Health issues because of stress. Just Google stress health Stress-related health issues, and a whole list of stuff comes on. That comes up: anxiety, um, depression. Again, that's on my list here: depression or becoming suicidal. That's a long-term effect. Loss of financial independence. You know, that's that can't be easy for someone who's never relied on the government or who's never relied on family members for their finances. To suddenly become dependent can be very hard, very embarrassing. Prevention. These are some legal documents that you want to keep this and you might want to get the family together or get, um, you know, have a little meeting and see if you have these documents in place. The trust. This allows the donor to specify how assets are controlled. Um, I'm not a lawyer. So I, I can't go into a lot of detail about these documents, but these are definite, definitely documents that you'll want to look into. The will, this is the distribution of assets upon death. The financial power of attorney, this designates an individual to take action on one's behalf, financial action on, on one's behalf. The living will, this is direction for healthcare decisions, if terminal. And then the healthcare power of attorney, this designates individual an individual to follow guidance of the living will. So these are definite, definite documents that you want to have in place. And remember, the victim or the person on the will, they must be capable of comprehending these documents or they're invalid. So if somebody has forced your mother or your grandmother or your neighbor into putting them on the will and they're incapable of comprehending them, call the authorities because it's an invalid document. Uh, and give the copies of all these documents, give them to your lawyer, give them to your other family members, give them to the doctor so everybody knows, everybody's on the same page. Prevention, keep it private, keep it safe. Um, these tips are useful for everybody, not just elder, our elders. Um, never give somebody a blank sign check they can do, they can have at it. If you sign a check and give it to somebody without putting a dollar amount in, they can have at it with that check because your signature's on it. Never sign anything that you don't understand. If you don't understand it, go to your lawyer, take it to somebody that might have a little more expertise in the area, don't sign it. Don't leave your money, don't leave your jewelry, don't leave your valuables in plain view. Don't give your ATM card to anybody, even if they say, oh, I'll just take this and get the money that you owe me for it. Well, you don't know what they're doing with your ATM card. Don't give your PIN to anybody. Don't write your PIN on your ATM card. Remember your passwords, don't write them down. Just a quick tip about passwords, like online passwords. Um, make them a random number. Make them a number that is not the last four of your social security number, is not the last four of your phone number, is not the last, is not your birthday, isn't your house number. It should be a random number. They're safer if you use letters and numbers. They're even safer if you use letters, numbers, and a symbol. 
a way to do this would be, think of a sentence, like, what was my example here? My number one daughter lives in New Jersey. So if you have one daughter, she lives in New Jersey, think of that sentence. And use the first letter of each of those words for your password. That way you can still remember it, but it's not something I would never guess my number one, you know. So the password would be M, the number sign, the number one, D-L-I-N-J. My number one daughter lives in New Jersey. You will remember that sentence. Say it to yourself over and over again. Even if you write it down somewhere, it's gonna be hard for somebody to guess that you're writing that down because it's your password. Does that make sense to everybody? Oh, don't carry your Medicare or Social Security card in your wallet. I'm not sure if you. Sh I'm not sure how Medicare works. If you should leave it, if you need that, if you go to the hospital or something. So, I would say leave it at home if it has your Social Security number on it. Does anybody know if Medicare cards have Social Security numbers on them? I think so. They do. Well, then be very careful with it. You know, it's hard to say. Just take it with you when you'll need it because you may need it. So. But if you have your social security card in your wallet, please take it out. That way if someone steals your wallet, they don't have that information. Use joint checking accounts with caution. Like I said, once you're on an account with somebody, they have full access to the funds in that account. You and I are on an account together and you go on vacation, while you're gone, I can drain your whole account. And it's legal because I'm on the account. Those are considered both of our funds. So, report suspected. Is there anything legal that I could do about that? I mean, it's really hard because you're on that account. And we see that all the time with married couples that split up and the wife or the husband drains the account. And unfortunately, I mean, you, you could try with the police. Like, we have to comply with the police say. We can give ballots, you know the information that the police would need, but that's a really tricky situation. We would say if you start to become untrusting of someone or you think this might not be a good idea, close that account immediately, open a new account in just your name or with somebody that you really do trust. Um, report suspicious abuse to family and agencies. So if you see your neighbor, you, you're suspicious, report, tell their family when they come over. You know. If, if you talk to your, or or if you talk to them about it, be very tread lightly, because it can be very a sensitive, very sensitive topic. Um, prevention. Sign up, shred, screen. The sign up for the National Do Not Call Registry. I think we all have an entire sheet on this. This is I'm sort of whizzing through all this information, so just because of time restraints, but. This is a definite keeper. Um, get yourself off of lists by signing up for these, by opting out of these of unsolicited, unwanted emails. Um, here's the number, 888-382-1222 or do not call.gov. Also, get out of, opt out of credit card and insurance offers. This is good again for everybody. It's optoutfreescreen.com. This is on your handout as well or call this number. Remember when you do this, if, you're, if, you do your, if you get yourself on the do not call list, you have to call from the number that you want off on the list or off of the list, however you look at it. Um, and cell phone numbers are also being sold now. So I always call and it lasts for five years. So I will call every five years from my cell phone to get off of the lists. Get your free credit report from each credit bureau annually. This is very important information for everybody. Uh, check it, make sure that all the accounts are yours, make sure that all the information is correct. This is the federally regulated website, it's the legitimate website to check your credit report. It's annualcreditreport.com. You see commercials all the time for free credit report, the guy that's working at Sizzler because his credit's bad. Well, those are services that you have to sign up for just know that going in. You have to give a credit card number before you sign up. And you get one free credit report and then you're signing up for a service. So that's fine if that's what you wanna do, but just know that going in.
Uh, mail letters from a locked mailbox. Mail theft. Mail fraud is still the number one fraud in the United States. So think about that. If you have, if you're mailing a check to somebody, take it to the post office, or if there's a one of the big blue boxes, I always use those. Or if you order checks from the bank, don't have them sent to your home mailbox if it's not a lock lock box. Have them sent to the credit union. Pick them up there. We have so many members do that. It's just safer that way. Shred offers that contain personal information. If you don't have a shredder at home, it might be time to get one. You don't have to spend a lot of money on a shredder. You can get little desktop shredders if you don't get a lot of mail. Um, and if you get credit card application that you're not gonna sign up for, just run it through your shredder. And we say a cross-cut shredder, because there are people out there that spend 40 hours a week going through dumpsters and putting your shredding together. And they do that even here in State College. A lot of people think, oh, it doesn't happen here. We have the lowest crime rate in the state. You know, that's not, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> um, just use a cross-cut cross shredder. That's hard to say. Check out Credentials. This is a really good website for caretakers. Um, it's kind of like the Better Business Bureau, where you can check out if, if it's legitimate. Screen telemarketers using an answering machine or cold waiting. I don't have a landline, so I screen telemarketers. I don't get a lot since I'm on the do not call list. Um, actually, the only telemarketers that I do get now are not for profit because they're not, they're not, this isn't eligible to them. So, political organizations, religious organizations, charitable, charitable contribution type places, they're not in that category for the do not call list. So I still do, do get those. I'm going to show you another quick video, just a couple minutes about prevention. Telemarketing fraud is a crime that affects millions of Americans every year. It usually starts with a phone call. Hello? Good evening, Mr. Jones. We wanted to call today to thank you for being such a good customer. And to reward you for your loyalty, we'd like to send you several valuable free gifts. Well, that sounds good. Now, in order to do this, we just want to verify some of the information. They were just so friendly. I didn't know they were trying to rip me off. Then I got my credit card statement. Those free gifts, they weren't free at all. Now I know better. Sir, all you have to do is confirm the first few numbers on your bank account. It ends in one, two, three, four. <laughs> I don't think so. My bank account number is my business, not yours. Telemarketing scammers are good at what they do. They'll say anything and target anyone to commit fraud. Hello. Congratulations, Miss Smith. Your name was recently drawn as a winner in the Pan Pacific Lottery. You could collect $2 million. I didn't think that I had entered the lottery. I filled out a couple of forms at the mall. But I didn't realize that the calls that I've been getting were connected to those forms. I'm not going to fall for that twice. Mrs. Smith, because this is a foreign lottery, there are a few processing fees that need to be taken care of. If you send me $3,000, you can collect your winnings. Oh, I don't think so. Goodbye. The Federal Trade Commission and your state attorney general are working hard to stop telemarketing fraud. You can help. Recognize. Report. Register. First, learn to recognize the signs of telemarketing fraud like callers who ask for money first or who want to know your bank account, credit card, or social security number. Scammers may even have your billing information before they call you. Often, they're trying to get you to say okay so they can claim you approved a charge. Second, if you have been scammed or you think someone is trying to scam you, report it to the Federal Trade Commission. It's as easy as going to FTC.gov and clicking on the link on the right. It's more helpful for the FTC if you can give the name or phone number of the company that called you and the date they called. Third, join the millions of Americans who have registered their phone numbers on the National Do Not Call Registry. It's easy. You can register online at donotcall.gov. Be sure to complete the process by clicking the link in the confirmation email you receive. You can also call toll-free 888 382-1222 from the number you wish to register. And remember, although telemarketing scammers may seem friendly, they're anything but. They're trying to worm their way into your wallet. 
you can stop them by keeping your information to yourself, no matter how tempting the offer. Let's say goodbye to fraudulent telemarketers. Visit ftc.gov slash phone fraud to learn more about how to recognize and report telemarketing fraud. All right, any questions on this? I, I don't believe that ftc.gov, I don't believe that's anywhere in, in your information. You might want to write that website down. It's ftc.gov. They govern all of this identity theft stuff. They have an excellent website for financial education and for um, identity theft prevention. So check it out. When you, it's a very user-friendly website. They have lots of materials that you can download. You may also want to, if you have somebody or know somebody, a friend or a family member that's in an assisted living home, you might, it might not be a bad idea to print some of those materials off and just, you know, let, let them around the facility. You might also want to consider speaking with the director. I'm not sure if they're called directors or managers of the assisted living facility or the nursing home and say, hey, this is a concern of mine. Maybe we could do some role-playing activities or, you know, do a little educational. You could always pass along this information yourself. Just do a little educational activity um, or suggest it to an aide if there's like an activity coordinator and just do like role play activities over the phone for mail you know just say do the whole phone conversation just like on this video that might spark some spark some ideas and help some pre with prevention get in the habit now more prevention. Stay active and engaged with others. Um, stay organized. No, if you're if if you're not organized and you know your family members aren't, maybe now it's the time to start organizing your financial records. Get a filing cabinet. Get a lockbox. A buyer safe box. Start reviewing those statements for unauthorized charges. You know, make sure that again it might not even be theft. It might be a mistake on your statements or on your your financial your bank or credit card statements monitor your financial affairs maintain contact with the credit union um, if you never go to the credit union or the bank they'll never know who you are so it could be easy you know, to become a target use direct deposit this is very good advice it just makes it makes life a lot easier when there's direct deposit and safer because when you have those checks lying around and I'm sure if you've ever lost a government check or a social security check, it's not easy to get them back, I'm sure, so, or to get new. Be cautious with your financial decisions. Don't make them on a whim. Select personal advisors with care. Look what Bernie Madoff did. You know, he's spending life in jail now. And those poor people that trusted him with their money, granted, the people that, <laughs> that trusted him with their money probably have a lot more money than I will ever have or ever think about having, but that can also always happen on a smaller scale. So be very careful. Beware of phone solicitations. Never give your information to anybody that calls you or emails you. If you think it's legitimately the credit union or the bank or the credit card company, if they ask you for your information when they call you, it's a scam. We already know your information. Recognize potential financial abusers, which that can be hard to do, but now that you know this information and you have this information, maybe you'll see the red flags. If you suspect the exploitation, take some steps. Write down your concerns and be specific. Um, use bullet points. Stay calm and unemotional because this can be, when you realize that someone's stealing from somebody close to you, you can get very fired up. You know, think about, I love my mother so dearly and if I knew somebody that was scamming her, I would be boiling mad. Um, document whom you talk to and when. Um, call Adult Protective Services, the local law enforcement. Like I said, our local law enforcement in State College I know has a fraud department. So I know other counties must. If it's an emergency, dial 911. That's what they're there for. So, And again, call the affected financial institutions. Even if you're not, even if you're not on the account, they could still flag the account as potential financial abuse. Remedies for financial exploitation? Okay, if it's misused financial accounts, contact the credit union or bank. 
Um, ask them to close the account. That's hard to do if you're not on the account, but again, they can flag it. Request copies of past checks and statements. If it's stolen SSA pension annuity checks, notify those people immediately. Arrange for direct deposit of those checks. So if they're still getting checks mailed to them, maybe it's time to stop. If someone's stealing those checks, set up direct deposit. Um, there's a specific deed change on property. Call the county recorder. They can verify that it's happened, and if it has, get legal assistance. Misuse of cash. Get purchase services, such as home-delivered meals, grocery delivery. I think a lot of places around here I know offer that service, so um, Meals on Wheels was one off, they're still around or not. My grandmother always took advantage of that, and it was a great service. Require receipts from suspected abuser for all transactions. So if you think it's the caretaker, if you think it's the nurse that comes home, start getting receipts for every single thing they do. Consult a lawyer. <clears throat> Where to go for help. These are all websites, I think these are all on your list that says resources, it's on handout three. These are all really good websites with phone numbers. Keep this information, again, if you have a filing cabinet, just throw it in there with your, you know, all the stuff that you keep with your you know, family members you know, that you're looking after. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff today. And you know, I just sort of flew through it. So, is there any questions or stories to share or comments that anybody has? Anyone from Lazard Clarion have questions? Okay. No, no questions. Okay. Well, thank you all for, I guess, listening. This is a really hot topic right now. Again, I know that we didn't have a lot of time and I crammed a lot of information here. But take this information home. Check out these resources in this information and just really. Take people under your wing if you have to. Be protective, because there's some people have nobody to protect them. You know, think about all the, the poor people in assisted living homes. That I have a coworker whose mother lives in an assisted living home, and her roommate gets a visitor once a month. You know how how sad is that? So, you know, somebody has to look out for our elders. So, well, thank you all. If you need anything. Contact the credit union. We're always here for you. We have an office here at State College, or you can visit our website. Thank you all. I guess I'm not really sure. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Is there, is there anything that... Well, actually, you've sort of answered a lot of the questions. Yeah. She, the lottery, sweepstakes scam. And uh, she got mailed letters where she had to do um, puzzles and whatnot. Can we do this? If you wouldn't mind. Um, okay. And it's just, she's just, then it, they would have, have her send $20 here yeah. and there, and then there was just a lot of that. Yeah. And then I just became aware of it. Well, this is a couple of years ago when I became aware of it, but it was just, what? <laughs> And that you, you know, everything that you said really sort of made sense. Yeah. And, um, so. Unfortunately, it's so common and there's so little you can do about it if it's already happened. Yeah. And it's... Well, we it, even changed her phone number. Oh. And, they, and actually... That's smart. I should, just, I should just put that in there. That's smart. <laughs> well, but they tracked it down. Oh. And so we had to change her number like a half a dozen times. And now all of her mail is getting sent to me. I'm getting, it's sort of reducing, the amount is actually reducing, but I'm now getting the phone calls from those people saying that you want, they've tracked it to my number now, even though there was no, she just changed her address. That sucker list, it's once you're on it. And, but would the do not call lists actually work with that? Um, because they're not, because half the time, I mean, my sister did a trace and found out that it was somewhere in Canada, yeah. but, the number that they were using was actually uh, a newspaper. <laughs> oh. So it, it, it's so showing up that it was coming from. What the do not call list does is it really. It's hard. It, that's so hard to say because it's if they're using what looks like a local number. Then. Just like a just like a website, I can or an email address. I can send you an email that looks like it's from ftc.gov. But when you investigate and you look further into it, it's really not. I mean, 
Yeah, the state has things like that. Oh, as well. all the time, all the time. Unfortunately, when it when stuff like this already happens, it's too late. But I mean, well, we sort of we stopped it. We sort of, we're now on top of things. Yeah. And one reason why she's not living alone anymore. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you were talking about transferring deeds. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that something? How would we go about doing that? And should we do that now, or what's the recommendation for that? You might want to talk to your lawyer about that. Okay. Um, and I don't know if 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 there's already a will set up. If that would. Well, you know, I just you know people have just talked about you know. Preparing for, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, what will happen eventually. Is there any way to, I don't know, reduce? I mean, is there something that we can do to transfer things beforehand? I'm, oh, I'm sure you can. You can always transfer deeds. I mean, that's something and that is that advised to do beforehand. Again, I'm talk really, to the yeah, I'm really <laughs> hesitant to give you advice, but it's, they're valid questions, and I think they're questions that you should ask. And pretty much any law firm. I don't really have a lawyer, so. <coughs> is there, I mean, I'm not necessarily looking for a recommendation, but, but there are lawyers in town just go to any, any number one. I would say, yeah. Um, if you have a friend that uses a lawyer, referrals, I always use recommended. You know, if you for Google them, go on the Better Business Bureau, just get a feel for the lawyer before you use them. because. Right. There are slime ball lawyers everywhere, basically. You just want to have somebody that's genuinely, you know, right. looking out for her best interest, just as you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's a family, yeah. family practice, I know of, of a friend of mine, her family, it's Bruce Manchester in Belfont. I don't know if you're from the Belfont area, mm -hmm. but um, I've heard recommendations. It's just a small place, but that's somebody that I would trust because right. I know them. So. All right, well, just yeah. going to, I'm going to, Take the next one. You can take them all if you want. If you have. Well, actually, I I, I want to give one to my sister and also to my brother. Okay. So I, this is really good information. If, is she in assist, an assisted living place right now? Well, she's with me and my sister. Okay. Well, I was gonna say if she's in a facility. I can always go there, and um, we do some work with like Foxdale. Okay. And we're planning on presenting something like this for them. So. Um. I do have a friend living at Green Hills Village. Okay. Well, you and can always pass my information along. I don't have a card, but if you want to write my email address down, feel free to pass my information along. This this is a very important topic. I this know. is, and um, I sort of wish I, you know, it's always too late. Yeah. Well, even if, if you had taken this before, what 